Blog Talk Radio. You have just tuned in to the Midweek Pick-Me-Up Energy Show, featuring professional officiant, tuning fork facilitator, and author, Marcy Ann Chief. In 1988, Marcy Ann discovered the quantum fields of energy and vibration, and since then her life has been a day-to-day experiment in knowing how to live in light energy for happiness, health, and wealth. She shares the principles and laws of light energy as they operate in everyday life, and now, here is Marcy Ann. Hi, everybody. I want to thank you for tuning in. <clears throat> Whether you're listening with me right now or whether you're going to catch this in the archives, um, uh, I found out that when you do a radio show and you pitch, pick a subject to talk about, watch out. Because <laughs> um, since I've always believed that the best discussion is from the point of view of experience, well, guess what? The last couple of days I've apparently just been in inertia myself because that's what I wanted to talk about tonight uh, so that I would be in the real true experience of inertia in order to talk about it. I just haven't wanted to do anything. <laughs> oh. So what is inertia? <laughs> Well, in classical physics, uh, Isaac Newton defined inertia as the first law of physics. He said that inertia is one of the primary manifestations of mass. (laughs) This is just so funny to me because I'm certainly a mass. (laughs) I didn't say mess. I said mass. I'm kind of a big mass, actually because I am considered large for being a woman, because I am the size of the average American man. So I've always, you know, kind of had the knowledge of being large, but on the other hand, inside, I feel quite tiny in my largeness. So I'm constantly knocking things over, bumping into people, uh, because I don't have cat whiskers that advise me how big I am and in what spaces I can move without hitting something. (laughs) So this great mass, which is me, is in its primary manifestation of inertia. And inertia is resistance to any change in its state of motion. Based on another classical definition of physics, motion is the default state of matter. So inertia happens when we're in resistance to what is changing. And to resist what is changing is futile because life is change, pure and simple. Every minute, every moment, there is action which is changing everything. Nothing is set in stone. Everything is in motion. So motion is the default state of mass matter. So to resist motion, which involves change, is to be against the very source of our life. And, you know, this kind of sounds like suicide to me. 
this sounds like we are in resistance to the very thing that's keeping us alive. So that's why inertia is so deadly. It is allowing ourselves to cut ourselves off from the very act of motion that's going to solve all our problems. So let's see if we can break this down some more. So if motion is the default state of matter and inertia is one of the primary manifestations of mass, how can inertia be a state of resistance as well as a state of rest? Well, actually, the state of rest is created by the resistance to change. But see, we can get ourselves into such a state of rest that we are no longer in motion. I mean, we have stopped doing everything. Well, classical physics uses the principle of inertia to describe the motion of objects and how they are affected by applied forces. Oh, here's the rub, the applied forces. So what kind of forces come at us that will cause us to begin to resist and then finally end up in a state of inertia? Well, there are these primary forces that work constantly affecting our mass, and probably the first primary force is survival, the necessity of food, clothing, and shelter. And to be able to provide these things for our mass, (laughs) we either need a job that earns money or we're taken care of by someone else, like the family or government welfare or disability programs. Now, the statistics today of who takes care of themselves and and who is taken care of by others are alarming. It makes me wonder just how much inertia is really in operation today in people's lives. Has the ability to survive become so perilous in our country that people have just given up? Has 52% of the population now just is no longer in motion? I just learned yesterday that one of the girls who used to work for me and who had done such gorgeous decorations for my beach weddings has gone on disability because she tried to go out on her own, and she found out that there's a lot of competition and all kinds of rules and regulations of being in business, and it began to be overwhelming for her. Uh, I mean, she was great as long as she worked for someone else, but to take on all the responsibility herself just completely overwhelmed her, and she worked herself up into such a frenzy frenzy now that she has broken down her health to the point where she has convinced her doctors she just can't work now. So she's gotten disability, and she isn't working at all. It was also hard for me to also learn that she's still living in the fancy apartment on the lake that she had while she was working. Maybe she has several roommates that help her and and supplement her uh, disability and food stamp benefits. Well, survival is the first commandment of life as a human being. 
while we're in our mother's womb, we have everything provided for us. We have a nice warm place where we're nourished totally until it's time for us to push out on our own and become separate from the mother and become a living soul here on earth. And while we are a child, our needs are taken care of by our parents or someone. I mean, we do hear a lot about children who are hungry and children who have no one who loves them or takes care of them. But on the other hand, we also see the children who are lavished with every conceivable treasure that makes their life as wonderful as possible. I mean, there was a program on television this week about a birthday party for a child who was going to be four, four years old. And they had clowns and face painting and cotton candy machine and a trampoline and fancy sweatshirts and hats for each child and a full buffet of food that included pizza and hamburgers and french fries and ice cream and cake. I mean, you know, for a four-year-old. I mean, how much do you remember from when you were four years old? I wondered how much that party cost. It was probably more than a month's rent for most people. So between these dreams, there are all levels of survival, and there always will be all levels of survival. So here is one area where you can disengage from the forces at work. When we first push out from our mother's womb and we find ourselves in this big scary place called life, fortunately for humans, we have 18 years to get ready to actually be out on our own. You know, a bird only gets about two to three weeks of being taken care of and boy then that mother bird and father bird quit feeding them and they take out all that soft stuff in the nest so now the baby bird's sitting on sticks and the mother and the father sit outside of the nest and chirp until the babies try to find out why they're not getting anything to eat and why the nest is so uncomfortable and they begin looking all around and they fall out of the nest and it's then that they learn they can fly. They don't know they can fly. But when they fall out of the nest, the air currents catch their wings and they fly. And the mother and the father know this. They understand the forces of the air currents. They've been using them steadfastly ever since they fell out of the nest. And the baby birds learn they can fly. And then the parents show them how to get their own food, and then they're on their own. Well, during the time we are being taken care of by someone else, until we learn that we can fly and can take care of ourselves, everyone has all kinds of different types of experiences. I mean, I was raised by parents who went through the Great Depression, and I also was raised during wartime when we had rationing and could only get certain things, like milk and meat at certain times. And these times of rationing and depression worked a a sense of lack and limitation in me as a child that I had to overcome in order to become prosperous and successful in my life. But even then, I had friends from school whose houses I went to where I saw lavishment, 
I mean, one of my girlfriends had her own room. I shared my room with my sister. We actually slept in the same bed. And my friend's closet was filled with beautiful clothes, and she had so many pairs of shoes. I mean, I had two pairs of shoes, school shoes and church shoes. (laughs) And she had stuffed animals and books and all kinds of articles of enrichment that I hardly even knew about, much less had. And a lady once told me, Marcianne, we are the poorest couple in the group that we run around with. Now, this group were all doctors, and everyone had their own private plane, their own yacht, and this lady also had a 7,000-square-foot gorgeous mansion she lived in with closets filled with clothes, just like Caitlyn Jenner. But their plane was just a single-engine Cessna, and they just had a sailboat, not a yacht. So, as far as possessions are concerned, there is always going to be someone who has more than you do, and there's always going to be someone who has less than you do. So if the forces of survival have pressed in on you to the point where you can't see how you can survive, just take a moment today to begin to take stock of where you really are and what you have and begin to make a self-determination of what is necessary and what isn't necessary for you because it doesn't matter what someone else has. In your state of matter... What do you need? What do you want? What can you provide for yourself? What can't you provide for yourself? And if you don't have what you think you need or what, then what plan could you begin to make today to change that? Because remember, inertia is resistance to change. And to get out of inertia and into a better place for yourself, you must initiate some kind of a change. Any kind of change is better than resistance to change. What I did was I just went to the pool and did laps. And that changed my whole uh, attitude about everything. I felt much better physically to start with. <clears throat> and then while I was doing my laps, I was thinking about, you know, what I'm going to do for my next show. <clears throat> Any kind of change is better than doing nothing. And what I've learned in my life is that if I make just one tiny step towards a tiny change, in my life, that I would then catch those air currents of life. And I find the next step is a giant step, and another and another and another, and soon I've reached that next plateau I wanted, and I've learned that I can fly. (laughs) You know, many times you come to a cliff, and that next step is into the great beyond, into nothingness. So just be brave and step forward because there are those magic air currents that are going to catch your wings and you will fly. A person I know has been in inertia 
for about a year and a half, and he was about to lose his house. Uh, The mortgage company had turned the delinquent loan over to a lawyer who had instituted foreclosure proceedings. And somehow, in his darkest moment, he sat on a chair and looked at himself in the mirror. And he saw a broken man, defeated and about to go under. How had he come to this darkest of moments? It all started with a moment, a moment when a young girl flaunted her teeny bopper body at him, and he broke. Turns out she was only 15. She looked a lot older. But that's no excuse. He was a married man. And I've asked several married men what percentage of men do they think would have broken under this type of sexual assault and surprisingly, most of the many married men said they believed that 85 to 90% of them would have resisted. All of them seemed to think that as a mature married man with a wife and most of them children would have assessed the risk and turned it down. But curiously, every single woman I asked, what percentage of men do they think would have broken? Every woman said 100% of the men would have gone for it. So all of you who are listening today, what percentage of men do you think would have succumbed to this temptation? Okay, now this young girl was the daughter of a mother who was loose on the streets. The girl had never known who her father was. The mother didn't even know. And this young girl was looking for love. The only way she had learned from her mother was the way to look for love. Now, he says he didn't do anything, and I almost believe him, because the girl, probably in retaliation, called the police and said he did have sex with her. And being under and being underage, he was arrested on the power of her word alone. He had to hire an attorney, and uh, in order to hire the attorney, he had to take a second mortgage out on his house, And the attorney told him that there was no jury in the world, but particularly in that Midwest farm town, who would believe that he didn't do anything. Because the prosecutor would load the jury up with women, and he would go to jail for two to six years. So the attorney counseled him to take a plea bargain, which was to plead guilty to a lesser charge, which he did, and he didn't go to jail. But he has to wear that GPS monitoring ankle bracelet for the rest of his life that lists him forever on the national sex offender list because of that one moment when he broke. So you see, he can't just live anywhere. And he lost his job as a union electrician with the best company in town because most of their work was for the city and involved the school system. And he can't be around schools or parks. So as an independent contractor now, his income became hit and miss, and he got behind on his mortgage payments and soon was facing losing his house. Now this was a set of motions, that wake-up call in his darkest hour, Because where would he go? Where would he live? 
And as he looked in the mirror, he was shocked by the person that he saw. And he thought, that's not me. That's someone who has quit. That is someone who is a loser. And he reached way down inside of himself and he asked himself, how did you get here? And then he felt the need to get some help. Now, here was his first step out of inertia. He called his doctor and made an appointment. And to begin with, he began taking some medication that is helping him with the depression, which is just another name for inertia. And he went to another local company who does electrical work in his town, and he talked to the boss man about his qualifications and abilities. He told him about the ankle GPS thingy, Bob. But this company doesn't do much work at schools. It's more commercial and residential. And the company he used to work for did give him a great reference as an electrician, told the new company that he was really good at what he did. So they hired him at a salary that will soon be as much as he was making. And he has now saved up enough money to catch up the back payments on the mortgage. And now he's feeling like he is back in control. He is on his way back to full motion in a straight line towards financial stability and personal happiness that he is creating himself for himself by being the person he knows he can be, that person he was before, before the forces in action broke him down. If you feel like the forces in action have broken you down, just know that there is a path available to you also out of depression and inertia of past action because nothing stays the same. Everything is in a state of change. There is still time available to set into action some new forces of motion that will take you where you want to go. When I first started my wedding business, I had to learn the hard way that cities have reasons why they require businesses to get permits to do certain things. And I resisted these rules at first, only to find out that the city had the power to put me out of business. And they came to my wedding and videotaped me putting up my decorations and also me screaming at them to leave me alone. And I heard later on that the whole police department saw that video, and I was the laughing stock of the whole department. Well, eventually I gave up and bent my knee, and I got permits for all my weddings, and the years passed by. And then I got a call from a bride to do a wedding for her in the gazebo in this town. And I met with the couple, and I found out he was a policeman for the city. And I said, oh, well, then I guess you know who I am, that infamous screaming clergy lady who tried to fight the police department with her bare hands. And he looked at me with a blank look on his face. He says, no, I don't. And then he said, you know, everyone in the department is pretty new. All of us haven't been on the force for very long. And the old police chief retired some years back, and we have a new chief now. And you know what I realized? That I had lived long enough to live beyond the embarrassment and the reputation of the past, 
No one in the police department had any idea now who I was or who I had been. And when we did the wedding, the entire street in front of the gazebo was lined up with police cars of the men in uniform who attend the wedding. And I was just the minister who did the wedding. No past, no reputation, nothing of the broken state of affairs from before. And this place of redemption, this place of innocence, is available to all of us. No matter what has happened in the past, remember, life is matter in motion. So nothing really matters because what was isn't anymore. (laughs) What was is over. Wake up. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. So move from inertia into action. Don't let anything from your past keep you broken down. You still matter. You are still mass, a collection of atoms that desire to have expression as you. And if you need some help getting started, I'd like to recommend to you my seven steps to creating what you want in your life and these seven Videos are on YouTube. Just put Marcy Cheek in the YouTube search window and they all will come up. So just start listening today. Don't let another moment go by in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Everything can change. That's our show for today. Thanks so much for listening. You can contact Marcy Ann on her website, www.marcyann.com. You can also view all of Marcy Ann's videos on YouTube by putting Marcy Ann in the YouTube search window. You can download her book for free at www.mrwriteforme.com. And if you want to go into business for yourself, Take a look at Marcy Ann's Weddings and Celebrations Business Startup Course at www.weddingofficiantschool.com. The Middle of the Week Pick Me Up Energy Show is broadcast live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Coast Time from Marcy Ann's Studios in Southern California. All shows are also archived and can be listened to at any time in any place in the world.